What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I got to say, it's nice sitting down here and hitting record and doing a solo episode again. For everyone that's been keeping up with the podcast here the last month or two, I think the last like five or six episodes have been all consecutive guests that I've had on. And man, it's it's been fun. I, I've really enjoyed that. And it's been uh, it's been cool to to get to meet some people who I've been following for a while and to just kind of have conversations maybe a little outside of the box, you know, on certain occasions. I do find that a lot of times when I have podcast guests on the show, like a lot of the messages that they speak are also messages that, you know, I speak to as well. So, you know, if it sounds like we're hitting certain topics and we're repeating things over and over again, like that's for a reason, right? Like talking about things like, uh, lifting weights, having muscle mass, and how that impacts your health as you age is probably something that I'm, I'm not ever going to just like get over talking about because that's the kind of shit that people need to hear. Not like how important it is to ice bath every single day and buy a $7,000, you know, chamber and then have your infrared sauna next to it so you can go bounce back and, and, and do the hot and cold exposure therapy back and forth and how that's going to be the biggest key to your success going forward. Cause, um, that's just a, an example. Sorry if that sounded salty, uh, no offense to people who do do that and who have that as part of their exercise regimen. I think that could be great, but Man, there's just so many uh, accounts and people out there that are, in my opinion, like not talking about the things that are actually the most pertinent and important to the average population and, and the people that are consuming their content. And a lot of times, like, man, getting uh, you know getting caught in the weeds and and uh, just not understanding like the, the order of importance of you know how a lot of these things fall into place. Like, it, it's just man, it's just something that I see so often in the fitness space. So when I have guests on, when I do solo episodes, like a lot of times, hey, maybe we might be hitting certain topics. We might be talking about mindset again. We might be talking about importance of protein. We might be talking about the importance of exercising and resistance training and having more muscle mass. Like a lot of these things that, hey, maybe there's some overlap between some of the guests that I have on, some of the individual episodes that I do. It's not that I'm just like, that's all I know about, but man, it's just like the more I, I do this and the more I talk about this, the more I really start to appreciate like the big rocks here. And man, I can't talk about those things enough. So I, uh, again, I appreciate the people who have kind of stuck with me and who have kind of evolved throughout this podcast evolution. I think I started this about two years ago now. That first year I podcast, I think I only made like 20 or 25 episodes this last year, I really made it an effort to to try and at least do one episode a week. Now, it wasn't perfect. Some weeks I had two, some, you know, months I only had, you know, three podcast episodes in total, but I've really made a, an effort to try and do this more consistently in addition to, you know, sending uh, my, uh, my people on my email list, like my weekly newsletter and posting to Instagram five, six times a week. And um, posting to threads, you know, that platform now and making reels and, and just doing all of these types of content creation. The podcast has been another point of emphasis for me this past year. And if you've followed me and if you've listened, you know, to a handful of them, or even if it's just one, like I appreciate the support and I appreciate you listening and tuning in and, and listening to what I have to say, because there's a ton of people out there talking and, uh, Man, the fact that I'm getting some, you know, somebody's or a lot of people's attention every now and then, like that's that's why I do this. So, um, 
long story short, I've, I've enjoyed having guests on the podcast um, as of recent because one, just a handful of them are people that I've never met before that I just like cold DM'd and, and they responded back and, and we, you know, scheduled a time for a couple months out. It just happened to, to be that all my guests literally on every single Monday for a month and a half straight booked at the same time. I, I can't make this up, but, um, yeah, it just happened to be that like all these last six episodes or so, all these podcast features that I've had just happened to book on a Monday and I just put a, put an episode out on those days, but it's just been fun to, man, to meet new people, to bring on people who I've admired in the space or who I've always wanted to like have a conversation with. That's the power of social media. Um, and, and a lot of good that can come from it is like the ability to connect, you know, you and I together, you being the listener and me as this, you know, person that's talking a bunch of gibberish about health, health and fitness all the time. Uh, but also connecting me to other coaches who I think are doing a really good job in the space or even sometimes who have differing opinions than me or uh, it, it, the last episode talking about like a show like Survivor and trying to relate that back to your own health and fitness. Like it, I've just had a lot of fun using this type of uh, content creation uh, to, to try and reach more people, of course, but to just also have cool conversations that are recorded that people can, you know, save or listen back to. And, or if somebody a year from now listens to my podcast, they can go back a year, two years, three years and listen to a lot of the shit compared to like, you know, someone getting my emails every week. Like they're going to, if, if I'm lucky, like they're going to read that that day and they're going to move on with their day or they're just going to delete it and just put it, or maybe it's going to your spam folder or whatever. Same thing with Instagram. Like I post something today, 90% of the people that follow me probably aren't going to see that. And then especially if I have new followers and in, in things in the future, like people aren't just going to scroll back and read Instagram posts or watch old reels. Like it's just not really how a lot of the stuff works. So the podcast is something I've really put a lot of, uh, time and attention into. And, uh, yeah, it's just a long winded way of saying that I've enjoyed having some of the podcast, um, guests that I've had on recently. I have a handful, um, more as we finish this year and head into the new year. A lot of cool things that I'm excited to, to talk about and bring people on to talk about. So all things I know your guys are going to find value in, but, and I just, I appreciate people tuning in and listening to me talk and, and, yeah, just listen to what I have to say. So with all that being said, I wanted to step on the podcast today, do a, you know, a little individual episode and just kind of take a step back and talk about my life updates, uh, use my life updates and talk about different topics like um, injuries, how to train around them, you know, what I've been doing uh, nutritionally, what we should be thinking about and doing. Also just talking about my you know, bulk, how that's going, um, maybe my plans going forward here in the near future and just like trying to like talk about myself, but then use that as an opportunity to, to try and relate it to you and um, find some applicability in your life as well. So I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, as I sit here today, it's like what, we have two weeks left of December essentially. And I would say the last quarter of this year has been weirdly busy for me. Uh, I've been to a conference. I've um, been traveling fairly frequently again. That's just not something that's been going away. I think that's going to slow down, but between like friends' birthday parties or, you know, going up to the lake or 
um, having events like social events. Like it just seems like every weekend has been busy. Um, and yeah, as we finish the end of the year, I'm getting ready for the start of the year, which yeah, usually is a time of the year when people are a little bit more motivated to maybe start a fitness journey and, and, you know, get in the mindset of taking your care of their health and their fitness and doing things differently again. That is one of the busier times of, you know, the year for me, just with New Year's resolutions and a lot of things that happen. So just like gearing up for that has always been nice. Um, some housekeeping stuff on a side note, for those of you who listen to this podcast, who maybe you're in that boat where, hey, maybe like November, December, like finishing the year has not gone as, you know, what you thought it might be or as well as you would like it. And you are planning on starting something and you are looking for a coach and some extra accountability and just to get on a plan that kind of meets you where you're at and that's going to take you closer to where you want to be. I have a really cool opportunity. I do it every single year and for the people who are listening to this episode. And uh, if you listen to this, you know, before January 1st, 2024, I'm going to be running another um, um, coaching scholarship, meaning I'm going to give out four months of free coaching to somebody um, in the new year, just to celebrate three years of me being in business. And it's just a cool way that I like to try and give back to my followers. And I, I realize that coaching is, is somewhat of a luxury in that not everybody has the resources to do it. And it's like the, the thing that I know that I can do to help reach at least one more person who might have never been able to afford coaching or who has thought about coaching and it just gets them in the door and it, it gets, you know, somebody an opportunity to, to try and start 2024 on the right foot. So, um, more details to come on my Instagram. If you don't follow me on Instagram, follow me there. But, um, if you are listening to this podcast and you are interested in applying for that coaching scholarship, DM me on Instagram or email me. Um, you can reach me through my website and I will send you the coaching um, scholarship application early before I launch it here in the next week and a half. So for all the people who listen to the, to the podcast, I love my podcast family and um, figured I would give you guys first dibs and just uh, first exposure because this is something that I do get a lot of submissions for and it's a really tough decision, but I would love to have as many people as possible. Also doing partial scholarships is something I usually do in addition to giving away four months of free coaching to somebody else. So there's a lot of incentives here and I, um, yeah, I don't really do a great job of like promoting or talking about like what I do and uh, what I offer and, and packages and things. But um, yeah, that's just something that I had to say because it's on my mind and it's something I'm prepping for as we finish the year. Um, aside from business related stuff, the last quarter, the last month and a half, two months have been a little bit like uh, challenging for me because I've kind of gone through something that I haven't really experienced uh at least recently, I've got, I've had some, you know, ankle injuries and different things that have happened in high school that, and even in college that, you know, it took me three, four months to, to recover from and feel back to a hundred percent again. Um, but this past, I guess we're just going to jump into it now because I, I want to talk about the injury that I've been dealing with and then what I'm doing about it. But just a backstory here. And I don't, I don't want this podcast to be about my injury, but I, I think it deserves some context and it can kind of help set the scene a little bit for, um, why I'm doing what I'm doing, why I've chosen the route I've taken and, um, what I've done in response to everything. So flashback, if we look back to, uh, early November, so 
that was about a couple weeks, three weeks after I'd gotten home from Greece, just kind of getting caught up from everything. That weekend, I was planning on, and I did go to the N1 uh, Practical, which is by Coach Kasim and his team. They are based out of Boulder. For all the people who um, are familiar, who follow accounts on social media, like there's just a lot of voices and um, opinions and just philosophies when it comes to the hypertrophy world. And Coach Kasim is uh, somebody who is, I've invested in early on when I started my, you know, um, coaching business, when I started to incorporate the personal training, like the, um, you know, building muscle side of workouts that I incorporate into my training and also do for my clients that I have right now. And Coach Kasim is um, the founder of this N1 certification and he has practicals and it's, it's long story short, it's really cool. If you don't follow him now, you should, um, even though a lot of the stuff that he might talk about will go over most people's head for the average consumer. It's just, um, I think it's a good certification of your coach out there listening to this and you're like, hey, I, I'm looking to level up my, you know, um, at my knowledge. I want to do some hands-on experience. I want to learn a little bit more about the, um, anatomy and biomechanics and what are like, quote unquote, the best movements for different, you know, um, uh, muscle groups and all these things. Like I couldn't recommend this, this, uh, certification more. And I did this certification about a year and a half or two years ago, I think in 2021, I went and it had been a couple years and I just wanted to, uh, I just wanted to like refresh my memory, go back to the practical, um, see what they had updated on their end and also just get to use their gym, which is like the most beautiful gym in the world. Uh, for all the people who go to gyms and who are familiar with like the brands of equipment, Prime, I would say uh, equipment is the best in the game right now. Atlantis, I think does a really good job as well, but just from an innovation standpoint and like keeping up to time and research, like prime equipment and uh, their ability to have people load, you know, different weights to, to challenge different parts of the resistance profile that we're working um, just to be able to like make machines that are more comfortable, that look nice, that um, load appropriately and really well that are, yeah, it's just, uh, it, man, it's just like any bodybuilders and not saying you have to be a bodybuilder to like any of this shit, but it's like, if you go to a gym and you work out on the machines that you're limited to, it's like, imagine all those machines just on steroids and better. And this is what this gym is like a lot of custom build equipment that he has there. Um, a lot of back chest assisted machines, all of the cables you can imagine different handles and grips, um, from a leg standpoint, pendulum hack, you know, leg press, like just all the cream of the crop equipment that you would be able to see in any gym, like it exists in this place. So selfishly, I just wanted to go and work out there again and uh, see what new equipment he had as well. Cause it's always something that I learned a lot there and I'm, I'm able to take a lot from what I learned there and apply it to the situation that I have available to me at my gym. And then also just like working with clients and um, working on you know, manipulating the equipment, the band or the cables, the machines that they have, and just trying to, yeah, just trying to use what I learn and, and have that apply to the client at hand, which is where their N of one kind of comes from the um, slogan that they use. It's just kind of indicates like, Hey, everybody is an individual as a person. They should be treated that way and not one exercise, not one movement, not one setup pattern like is going to be perfect for everybody. So just understanding that, hey, we got to meet people where they're at. 
use the equipment that we have available to us and use them in a way that's going to be best for the individual is just kind of their whole training philosophy. And I, I just, I've really gravitated towards that and I love their content. And um, these practicals are just a cool opportunity for me to go and just practice and learn more and uh, take a lot of stuff home with me to implement my own training and with other clients training. Anyway, geez, I just get sidetracked so easily, but it is what it is. So that weekend I was going to that training uh, practical. And another side note, uh, we've been, my wife and I, we took on the challenge of kind of renovating and just like updating our backyard living space in our house, which was a tall task. And it was a, a, a lot harder than I imagined it being. Um, put a lot of rock in there, but we have, uh, long story short, we have tears. We have, you know, I, don't, I can't even, I don't know square footage or like how big the space is, but there's tears. It was all juniper trees and bushes. Um, you know, pretty low maintenance stuff, but just a bunch of dirt and just a bunch of trees that have crazy amounts of pollen that I'm like low key allergic to. And also shit that my dog would just like, when I let her out in the morning, she'd just roam around and then she'd come to the door and her paws would just be black because it's so muddy or dirty or she just got pollen all over her. So, um, that was a priority for us since we've moved in the last year or so. And yeah, like right, if, if for all my people who have done any types of home, you know, remodels, backyard remodels, whether you hire out or you do them yourselves, like you feel my pain. Like there's just a lot of stuff to do, but long story short, we are on the tail end of the backyard renovation project. And we, just because we don't have a ton of storage, we were going to put a shed in and we were going to put it in on the third tier. Okay. And we have a staircase, kind of like two staircases, one staircase of five going up to the second level or tier, and then a you know eight or nine um, steps going up to the third and fourth tier. The shed was going to go on our fourth tier. And long story short, before I left for this trip and before the weather turned way too cold and um, to the point where we wouldn't be able to get this shed in and do these things. And there was a really good promotion, which is why we wanted to get this purchase now. Um, long story short, we needed to get this shed in, or we needed to get a concrete slab in by that weekend in order to order the shed, get the shed installed and have everything ready to go for winter and, and ready for us for next spring. Now, of course we could have probably pushed it back to the spring, but for me, I'm just a psychopath. When I start something, I want to finish it. And there's no resolution or if I don't feel like something has been finished, like it just bugs the fuck out of me. So um, that was kind of my rationale of like why this all needed to happen. Not to mention that the people installing the concrete were available and, and the guy that was going to do it could be there. Um, and then also our backyard renovations, we did put some pavers in a little bit of grass and put a ton of rock in, but the guys that were helping us do that were also going to be done that following weekend. So it was just like this perfect storm, um, of things that we needed to get done and they needed to be done like literally that day. And I left for our, this practical on a Thursday evening or afternoon and all of this happened, came down at once where I was like, Hey, we need this concrete slab. We need it to go in now. My guy can come tomorrow. It's good weather. It's not going to be too cold. And all these things just fell into place. But if you saw this backyard, there's, it's impossible to get like a concrete truck or something to like have it poured in, you know, not to mention that's like 
man, prices of shit right now is insane. But like the price of like hiring out and doing that would have been like, I don't even know, three grand or something like that. Um, and we were able, the guy that I'm working with or that worked for me at the time that did this for me, we were able to just do the concrete bags, bring them up and just like hand mix them. I say we, hey, he and his partner hand mixed them and then laid the slab, slab, um, you know, just by hand essentially. That was the only way that we could do it. Now, in order to have enough and for all of these things, because once you start to lay concrete and you mix it, like it took them less than a day and a half, I think, to get this all done. And we needed all the supplies at once. Uh, and we calculated it out and he calculated it out. And we needed about 86 bags of 80 pound uh, concrete bags, which is a ton. And um, that that week we spent a couple days like going to Home Depot, getting whatever we needed to do, driving it home, putting in the backyard. And theoretically, maybe these guys could have done it. But if you, if you knew, if you knew Walter and you knew this other guy, Jack, like just imagine somebody that's been like doing manual labor for 40 years who kind of has a beat up back and like maybe isn't the healthiest person. Like they had no business carrying these bags up one by one, um, up the stairs. So Really, when I looked at it, I was the only person that could execute the job in the amount of time that I had before I left for my trip, like the, the, that day. So I took it upon myself to essentially lift in one by one, 86 pound or 86 bags um, of these 80 pound concrete bags and lift them, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 yards, kind of going uphill up a couple staircases and putting it on a pallet up at the top so these guys could have all the equipment and everything ready to go when they got there. So long story short, I had planned for this practical because of the practical um, that you go to, they're kind of notorious for like making you train really hard and like checking yourself and, and, and making sure that when you do go back and you start training again, like you know what it feels like to train to failure. So like leading up to this trip, I was taking like three days off before going into the practical because I wanted to feel fresh. I wanted to feel good. I didn't want to have any like lingering soreness or like aches or just um, fatigue being carried into that because I wanted to get the most out of that trip. Joke's on me because you cannot do enough fucking RDLs or uh, leg extensions or rows to prep yourself for the amount of work that it took to carry these individual bags one by one up to the top of this like tier in this backyard. And I remember I, again, I'm kind of a psychopath, but when I kind of start something, I just finish it. And I, it took me about two hours on the dot to take all of these bags up on this, you know, take this up this hill, lay them out and have them ready to go before my flight left at like 2 PM that day. So I started early in the morning, but man, when I tell you I've never been like more exhausted in my life, like I, I just, I, I can't even compare it to anything. My back was sore. My knees were kind of achy. My upper body was trashed. Like cardiovascularly, I was just exhausted. And there was just a, man, it was just, it was something I felt proud of. Like, it was just like, Hey, I did that. Like, this is why I lift a lot of cool things. Um, uh, my body did for me that day. Like I realized not everybody is able to do, um, Turns out wasn't the smartest idea because I did likely injure myself that day. Um, I'll continue to tell my story here, but um, yeah, that's that's kind of like the start of this weekend. So I'm really tired, exhausted, and then we go in and essentially it's like coursework for half the day and then we work out for the other half of the day. 
doing a lot of different moves, training really hard, kind of broken up into all the different individual muscle groups that we have within our body. And yeah, it got to day two, which we did like a glute day, a lot of pressing, glute bridging, just a lot of different accessory muscles with that. And I remember that night after day two when I was in Boulder, like I just, my legs just felt trashed and that was expected. That wasn't random. Like I I knew what fatigue felt like, but something felt a little bit different, especially my left knee. My left knee just felt like, I don't know, the best way I can describe it was like fatigued, Um, kind of weak as well in the sense that like if you extended it, like if you imagine like locking your legs, like it just did not feel good to do that. Same thing with bending them. Um, and it, it also looked a little bit swollen too, but I just figured, hey, probably just probably just fatigue. And we, we trained pretty hard today and it was just like a, a tough leg day. And tomorrow we'll have arms and then we'll finish with like quads and whatever on the last day and I'll be good and, and be able to rest next week. Looking back, and of course, this is what I would be the first to recommend to somebody if they were in that position, like going into the next day or training like legs again within a day or two stretch after feeling like that. Cause I woke up the next day and shit did not feel any better. Felt a little bit worse. It felt really stiff. Like it was just, uh, yeah, it just didn't feel right. I could still kind of go through the full range of motion with everything, bend my knee, extend my knee, but it just didn't feel right. It's my left knee that we're talking about. And, um, Luckily we did upper body. We did, I think like back and um, delts or something the next day. And then the last day is notoriously the hardest day because we have hack squat, we have the pendulum and we have a bunch of other like lower body um, quad movements that we do that day. And in a little bit of glutes as well um, and hamstrings. Yeah, I think it was quads, hamstrings and quads and hamstrings. And there was a lot of exercise that we could do with that. But there's something called like a cast set where you're like a beyond failure kind of uh, technique that you can do and you can train your uh, leg extensions or you could do ham curls with or um, the pendulum and the hack squat. I keep saying that, but like there's just a really heavy training day on your legs. And me, of course, didn't modify shit, did everything like I normally would went full range of motion with everything. Like I could feel my knee talking to me that whole day, but I just kind of like pushed through it, you know, in this group setting, like it was just kind of a fun atmosphere. There's like, um, I don't know. It's just like a lot of camaraderie, just like people like kind of cheering each other on and, and hyping each other up. And it was just, it's just a cool environment. And like the adrenaline that I had just like made me feel okay for that day. But I got home that Monday night, the next Tuesday, like my leg was just fucked up. Like my, I, I thought I'd seriously hurt my knee. Um, I woke up that Tuesday. I couldn't bend it hardly at all. I couldn't even break like 90 degrees almost. I couldn't walk very well. Um, I was limping. I, I was just, I felt like I got the shit beat out of me. And it kind of scared me because I've never, again, I alluded to, hey, maybe I had ankle injuries and stuff, but knock on wood, I've never had, I've never had like any knee injuries or Achilles injuries or some of these things that unfortunately people have to deal with and go through, whether they're in high school or college or as an adult, like some of these bad tears, ligament tears, bad um, sprains, like all these things, you know, that can happen. I've never really had to experience that. So this is why this felt weird to me is because I've never felt something like this before. And that whole week, it just did not get better. And of course, in my brain, I'm like, excuse me, I'm catastrophizing everything. I'm like, 
fuck, did I tear my ACL? Maybe it's, I, you know, I was like trying to like do some jukes. Like, cause I, I could imagine what tearing your ACL would feel like and the limitations you would have, have after that. But my next thought was like, damn, I probably tore the shit out of my meniscus. And uh, my sister luckily is a physical therapist. And I saw her later that week and just kind of asked her and we went through some different ranges of motion. And, um, the speculation after seeing her was that, Hey, maybe, maybe you've got some type of meniscus tear, um, just based on what you can and can't do right now. And it's, it'd be advisable just to go into the doctors and just to get everything checked out. And the, the thing is with everything going into this, like I, I still can't recall a time or the day where I felt something like pop or I felt, um, I felt like an injury happened in the moment. It almost just felt like an accumulation of all the things that I did over that weekend, lifting a ton of fucking concrete bags and then training really hard and just not taking any time off in between those things. So when I got to the doctor, long story short, I don't want to draw this out too much. X-rays were clean, got an MRI and the diagnosis that I got, and I'm going to butcher this. It's not uh, it wasn't a torn meniscus, which was great because I was mentally prepping myself like, all right, if I get surgery, it's going to put me out this time. I'll do PT. You know, I kind of had a plan because I was, I was kind of expecting the worst and it, it would have made sense to me if I had, you know, seen a torn meniscus on there. And essentially what happened was it wasn't my meniscus, but instead on like kind of the top of the knee where your femur meets your knee, there's something called your articular cartilage. And there was a tear or like a hole that was seen on the MRI, um, indicating like a tear or like a puncture wound or something that happened there that has been leading to a lot of swelling, a bone bruise. And that was the thing that, that was torn that, um, luckily I didn't need surgery. He didn't think that that was necessary or even a shot right now. We're going to give it a month before we reassess. Um, but good news, I when I got in and I think it was like the last week of November, so it took a you know few weeks, four weeks to get me into the doctor's appointment to be able to do all these scans and stuff. Um, but within that time, things have improved, but they just didn't feel right. They still didn't feel better. And getting this news was almost good news to me because the timeline for recovery for this was a lot better compared to having like a full on tear of your meniscus and needing surgery and, and, you know, maybe taking a route down surgical intervention or non-invasive stuff, doing shots and physical therapy and building it up from there. There's kind of a direction of things and different doctors will maybe practice or advise different things. But for me, that's what I was expecting because man, my knee has been fucked up. So I, um, I was really happy with that news, but I thinking back, I think it was just a combination of like what I did lifting the sand, like just walking up steps with a bag of, you know, concrete, like just flexing and, and working almost every muscle in my body, walking up steps, rotating and, and, um, taking awkward steps, you know, to the left and like, uh, with this extra weight hanging out in front of me or on me, um, doing that repeatedly for two hours. Like I'm just guessing that's where it happened. And then going to the training, you know, session weekend didn't help anything at all either and likely just cause more swelling and everything to kind of compound on that. But the whole month of November, I was, I was kind of fucked cause I didn't, I couldn't do any lower body training essentially. And, um, once I got news of everything, um, it was kind of good cause now the path that I've been taking is I've been instructed to just take, um, 
Aleve or some anti-inflammatory anti-inflammatory uh, medication a couple times a day to help things calm down a little bit. I'm also doing PT every week. Luckily, my sister's a physical therapist, and we've been kind of having some, um, you know, some fun in the the PT clinic. She's Pilates instructor, just doing some other things around my injury and um, um, strengthening some of the muscles around my knee and and on my legs that are. Um, kind of important for your knee anatomy if we look at the anatomy of the knee, which is not the the goal of this podcast here. So long story short, I really, man, I really, uh, I really kind of took this hard because at the time I, 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 I don't know. I just, I think all of us hate being injured and there's kind of this identity crisis that happens when it's like something you love is taken away from you temporarily. Um, but I also think that like this whole injury was good for me and I was fully prepared to like really tackle the road of recovery if I needed some type of surgery or some other intervention aside from what I'm doing now. And I, um, weirdly, I'm just, um, I try and always be really positive and reframe my thoughts, just kind of how my brain operates now. But, um, being able to speak to that, being able to relate to clients, past clients, future clients, um, people going through it right now and being able to speak to that. Like I was excited to just have some type of experience with it so I could relate to other people and um, even develop my own thought patterns and things uh, as a practitioner when I do have these cases present to me in the future because I've had a handful of people that have come to me who have torn their ACL or torn their Achilles or whatever and they want nutrition coaching to not gain weight and to kind of maintain their level of fitness so when they heal after the six, nine months, a year, whatever it is, like they're still in a decent spot where they can come back and continue to improve from there. But I was weirdly like excited to, Hey, maybe try this thing that I could be able to better speak to in the future. But of course I'm happy that I didn't get terrible news and that things like were still positive, generally speaking for me. So what I've done to kind of navigate around that is and I find myself laughing here because like any, if you tell a guy, all oh, my guys can relate to me here, but um, man, if you give a guy an excuse to not train their legs and to train predominantly their upper body during their training for the week, like most guys are probably going to take that. Most guys do that voluntarily as it is. I've historically been pretty 50-50 in my training with legs and upper body and um, I still am working with a coach right now, but we've kind of tailored when I, you know, from when I wasn't feeling great, I couldn't finish my, um, last program and going into my new program, we essentially did like a 90 upper body, 10% lower body type of split to just like work around what I'm doing f- from a rehab standpoint, going to my physical therapist, just kind of playing the waiting game, letting my, um, leg somewhat heal a little bit quicker and, and taking the impact off it. Cause that's what the doctor's orders were and training in a way that is predominantly upper body as I, um, continue to navigate and, and get better from this knee injury. So one thing that I did do when it comes to legs was keep things that I felt good with that felt comfortable that didn't aggravate anything. <laughs> things like some leg extensions, um, some hamstring curls, some, uh, adduction machine, also doing some like glute kickbacks, working my hip flexors. Like I kind of have some accessory stuff, but things like, um, you know, unilateral, um, lunge patterns or squats or pressing anything where I'm requiring like kind of a deep bend in my knees, 
all have been on put on hold for right now. And that's kind of what my last training regimen has looked like. That's what my next training regimen is going to look like as well as we continue to accommodate and continue to try and build strength from the injury itself. And I've gotten approval to be able to do maybe some more glute focus, like pressing work. So things that aren't really exceeding a 90 degree bend in my knee, because if you think about it right now, when my knee is fully bent, like imagine you just squatting down, um, or you just like being on your toes and squatting all the way to the ground. I'm not able to really do that. Like I can't do that comfortably. And when I do that, it almost feels like there's a bunch of air and like pressure in my knee and it prevents me from being able to just fully, um, yeah, fully flex my knee at the bottom. So that's kind of what I've been dealing with. I've been able to make some nice progressions, but training around my knee, like things haven't stopped from a training perspective um, because we've been able to just adjust and modify and work within the, you know, the ranges of motion and the things that we could do from a lower body standpoint, but just hammer upper body, which I've actually pretty, I've been pretty happy with and have enjoyed because it's just kind of a break from the last two years of training that I've done where I've heavy hack squats, heavy RDLing, heavy leg pressing, you know, uh, reverse lunges, walking lunges, Bulgarian split squats, like all things that sound like my hands are on chalkboards right now. And people are just thinking like all these things. Yeah, those are nasty, but you got to love them. But I've been really hammering a lot of those lifts and it just, it's felt good to like take a step back from that and work through this knee injury while training upper body a little bit more. So that's what I've done from a training standpoint to kind of accommodate to all the changes in, in mobility and stuff that I've been kind of limited to in the gym recently. And I've enjoyed it. And I've, I've seen some good positive changes, I think, in my upper body by increasing my training volume, my upper body. Still doing four days a week, um, sprinkling some core movements and some lower body exercises, the ones that I can do in some of those upper body days, which is every day of the week. But yeah, it's been fun to experiment and just uh, see some small changes since I've been able to do that. Now, that will be my plan going forward too. at least the next month or so as I give my my knee a little bit more time to recover. I'm thinking after that three month mark, things will be good. I've been able to play uh, in our city league volleyball team again. I was able to golf like I've got a lot of clearance to do day to day stuff. But yeah, just the full knee bend at the bottom has been a no go for me. So, yeah, I um yeah, from a training standpoint, I just wanted to point that out because as we relate this to you, the listener, if you've gone through this or done this, man, it's impossible for me to sit up here and say like, this is what you should do if and when you hurt your knee in the future, right? Because everyone's going to have different knee injuries, severities of those knees, knee injuries, um, different, uh, you know, healing patterns or timelines. There's just so many variables that are going to impact you and your experience if and when you ever get injured. So it's hard for me to sit up here and be like, oh yeah, like if you injure your knee, just do four days upper body, do some things around your, your lower body, work with your PT and then you'll be good to go. Like at some level that could be general guidance that could help somebody. But um, yeah, that's where, you know, this individualized approach and you having a, a team of people, a doctor, a physical therapist, or maybe a good chiropractor, or um, maybe a nutrition coach, a dietitian, a personal trainer, like all these things can kind of cultivate a plan that that is going to work for you and help you navigate around this injury. But when it comes to the basics of like, how do I work around like a bum knee or something that's going to take me a few months to reco recover from, excuse me, the same principles are going to apply. It's like, 
talk to and work with a provider that knows what the fuck is going on that isn't going to you know hurt you by telling you to go get in a hack squat machine after you hurt your knee right um most people are not going to do that by the way but just having the the mindset of like hey what can i do instead of thinking about all the things that i cannot do cuz that's usually where people's brains go to. And I'll be honest, I'll be the first to tell you that that was where my brain went to when I hurt my knee in that first week back and I couldn't do anything and I didn't even want to go and train upper body and I was afraid to do it. And I didn't know what, you know, what was wrong and I didn't know the severity of it and I didn't want to hurt it more. So I ended up not doing anything for like a week, a week and a half, did some upper body. But um, again, there was this identity change that happened. There was just like something that I've cared a lot about has been taken away from me. And that fucking sucks for a lot of people. It's going to suck for everybody. And uh, again, depending on what activity and what your fitness looks like and what you give a shit about, like it's going to impact everybody a little bit differently and, and cause limitations on, on people's lives that are uncomfortable, that are things that nobody, nobody would want. But man, it doesn't fucking help to just sit on the things and, and think about all the shit that you can't do and not do anything because of that. So being your own advocate, being somebody that's going to um, just kind of think outside the box and, and work on building a new routine to complement what you're going through from a rehab standpoint or from you know just healing your injury standpoint and being able to just continue to maintain or build on other parts of your body, like those are these injuries and these things are opportunities for growth in other areas. Okay. And I just want people to appreciate that. And it was hard for me to grasp that in the beginning, but fuck, I'm so happy that I was able to quickly turn my mindset around and turn this into a new opportunity um, for me to learn more, experiment more, and just work around, you know, um, a, a little ailment that I've been dealing with that is a pain in the ass, quite frankly, but is something that is just part of my reality that I don't have any control over. So, you know, shifting my mindset to think about all the things that I do have control over was just uh, something that I would encourage everybody to do. And again, it's easy for me to, to maybe sit up here and say, yeah, hey, I hurt my knee and I was only out four to six weeks compared to somebody who maybe had a more devastating injury and who are out nine months, right? Like, it's impossible to compare the two, but the moral of the story is I just, I want people to, yeah, feel their feelings, obviously work through a therapist, something that I talked to him about for a couple of weeks when I was just dealing with that and kind of like, again, choosing um, the route of positivity instead of negativity, but just being able to, to identify what's out of your control, what's in your control and being able to take advantage and show up for those things, even though it's probably going to be hard as fuck and, and you're going to be sad as shit for a period of time because you've had a lot of things that you normally do just taken away from you. And it's just not a, it's not an easy pill for most people to swallow. So from a training standpoint and a mindset standpoint, that's, that's kind of what I took. And I'd encourage other people to think similarly, um, as it applies to your life and the context of your situation as you continue navigating through your own injuries. Now, from a nutrition standpoint, this is where I get a lot of questions too, where it's like, hey, I don't want to gain weight or I'm afraid I'm going to gain weight or I don't want to lose all my muscle mass and and all these concerns that I 100%, you know, maybe we're thinking of too, but things that jump to people's mind after, you know, injuring whatever body part or whatever it is that they've they've injured. 
And I get it, right? Like, that's just something that I think innately we all might think about when something like this happens. Because again, weight gain kind of sucks, right? Like being taken out of your sport or the gym or not being able to um, do what you normally do and have these, you know, limitations placed on you. Like, it's just, it sucks. And there's, there's so many opportunities for you to just catastrophize every single thing in every situation as it pertains to your life. But from a nutrition side of things, like we still have a pretty good amount of control over everything that we put into our body to one, support our training, um, to minimize or limit the amount of uh, muscle that is being lost, right? Because unfortunately, like if you're not going to be using your muscle, you're going to likely lose some of it. Um, you're not going to lose all of it. And then Fortunately, when you do get back to your sport or your gym regimen or you start lifting more, like that muscle is going to come back a hell of a, a lot quicker than you putting it on the first time. Muscle memory is real. I promise you that. And um, of course, the last one, just like minimizing fat gain. Like we don't, we, I don't want you to be sedentary for nine months and you gain 30 pounds of weight and then have that be another thing that you're trying to come back from in addition to trying to get full range of motion with your knee or with your ankle again, or whatever the the case may be. Um, and have that be kind of a detriment maybe to your health, but also to your recovery process. And, and even, yeah, your mental health and your, your um, relationship that you have with yourself and food, a lot of things that can happen that, hey, you put on 20 pounds and that might be an extreme example, but that's a reality that some people live in where it's like they become immobile and they're not training and they let their nutrition go to shit. And then before you know it, they're in like a worse place than maybe where they were like one week post-op from whatever ACL surgery that they had. So um, from a nutrition standpoint, if we look at big picture stuff in general, Okay, and, and you might get some different input from different coaches, but your energy needs aren't going to drop a ton. And I put those with like an asterisk next to it because one, your body still needs a lot of nutrients, energy, protein, just resources for you to recover and heal from whatever injury that you're recovering from, especially if you've got something uh, severe or had a surgery and there's a lot of moving pieces and you have a lot of things to recover from like having enough resources is going to help and expedite that recovery process. Whereas if you slash your calories from the beginning and you, you know, you are in the mindset of like, I don't want to gain weight and I'll do whatever I can at all costs to not gain weight. You could be fucking up your recovery or the healing process or even your muscle um, retention kind of strategy by consistently under consuming calories out of fear of just gaining weight alone. And, and, it's impossible for me to put an exact number and timeline on all your things, but man, we're talking maybe weeks where you're postponing your, you know, recovery time because you're not giving your body enough nutrients. You're not getting enough, enough fuel and enough resources for you to build and, and to regenerate all the, you know, healing tissue and everything that's going on. Also to maintain the pre-existing muscle tissue and things that you have now um, and getting you to a place where you're healing and retaining as much as possible. But that is not able to happen when you drastically cut your calories under. Um, the other thing that I want to point out is if we look at our metabolism, metabolism as a whole, your exercise activity um, input to your overall metabolism is only like five to maybe 10%, more like that 5%. So out of the total amount of calories that you burn for the day, 5% of that might be coming from exercise alone. Your Orange Theory class, your lifts, you going on a run, like whatever exercise that you do three, four, five times a week, some people every day, 
that's not a ton. Okay. It's just not a lot. And the other components like your basal metabolic rate, um, thermic effect of food, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, like those are going to have maybe a little bit more of an input to your metabolism. And usually things that don't really drop off a cliff after you get injured, exercise being one of them. And of course, if you're sitting here in you know, you're tied to a bed or a couch for a period of time, or you're not able to walk as um, effortlessly or as easily as you've been able to, and you go from 9,000 steps a day to 2,000, of course, that's going to have an impact. And that might be something where we account for two, 300 calories, uh, maybe less than what you're doing if you were hitting that total, you know, target, or maybe if you had three workouts a week in addition to 9,000 steps a day, and it goes to no workouts a week, and 2,500 steps a day, like, yes, your energy needs are likely going to be decreased a little bit, um, but not like cut in half, okay? And especially if you're someone maybe like myself who had an experience where, yeah, you're injured and you're working through things, and you're going to PT, but you're still able to train around that injury and and still maintain the amount of volume, you know, for week to week. And your training intensity hasn't dropped off a ton. For me, I didn't adjust my calories at all. If anything, I just tried to keep them as high as they've been because um, that's something that I knew was going to help in my recovery and, and something that I was just prioritizing because I, I don't want my food or lack of food input and nutrition to be another stressor on the body in a time where it is dealing with a lot of stress and recovering from something that um, you know is not part of its normal routine. So with that being said, the calorie conversation is complicated. It's going to look different for everybody, but man, when I say keep your calories up, I just, I don't want you to increase your calories. Most people probably don't need more calories after they get injured, depending on the person, unless you have like burn wounds or, you know, some of these other crazy things. We're not talking about that here today. We're talking about like orthopedic injuries here, but most people do not need to increase their calories, but keeping them where they're at, dropping them a smidge might be, you know, appropriate for your situation. But I just don't want people to think that they need to go from 2,500 calories to 1,500 calories just because they're not working out three times a week, okay? Now, from a supplement standpoint, and I, um, I'm i just going to be really general here, but in general, things that I find a lot of people would benefit from when uh, recovering from an injury are the things that I recommend most people, generally healthy people, take, you know, every day or um, if they're looking to add supplements to their regimen, things that I would maybe prioritize a little bit more. But something like a fish oil, getting at least, um, you know, a gram or more a day of fish oil in. So like if you are taking fish oil and you look back and there's, you know, 650 mgs or whatever it is on your fish oil, like take enough, uh, like it'd be a dose and a half until you get to at least a thousand. Um, fish oil is a great one. It's got anti-inflammatory properties. And, uh, I think in general, most people don't get enough omega threes within their diet. So it just, it's covering a lot of basis with that. Another thing to, to think about could be just taking a general multivitamin. Maybe it's a two a day. Maybe it's just a one a day, like covering your basis and filling in the cracks with your, um, micronutrients, I think is going to be a good idea. It's not something that's going to harm anyone by any means. Um, I take that back. Like, yes, of course there can be some drug nutrient interactions or, um, you know, vitamin K and clotting, like all these things that, yeah, maybe talking to your doctor about before you start jumping and taking the whole, 
you know, kitchen sink of supplements, but like generally a multivitamin is going to be something that can help cover the basis of your minimum nutrition needs for the day from a micronutrient standpoint that you you might be burning through more of those resources as your body is healing, burning maybe through uh, more vitamin C, more of the B vitamins and just having a baseline minimum of that coming in every day. In addition to what you're eating, I find can be beneficial. Um, creatine, I would recommend everybody take, and it's, uh, it's something that healthy or, you know, sick or old or injured, everybody will benefit from taking creatine and you taking five grams a day, one scoop a day could potentially help, you know, maybe retain some of that muscle, um, you know, that muscle loss that might be happening, or when you are training, you're training other body parts, like you're still, you know, having, uh, this creatine donate a phosphate group to ADP as you're training. So you have more energy output and more strength output in those workout sessions, which can help build and maintain your muscle mass. But from a baseline, like tier one supplements, those are the things that I would say some honorable, honorable mention would be like a vitamin D, um, you know, maybe a vitamin D paired with a a K2 supplement that helps with absorption. Um, but for the most part, like those are, yeah, those are the, the tier one supplements that I would say, Hey, most people could recommend also maybe throwing in, I don't even know if I'd consider protein powder, like a supplement, it's just powdered food essentially, but you know, having an extra, uh, scoop of protein powder a day, like making sure we're getting enough protein, uh, could be something that I would throw into that mix as well, just to make sure we're maintaining and uh, getting enough protein every day. Cause sometimes there could be a drop off decrease in appetite. Um, people's perception of how much they're eating less might be, you know, uh, greater than what they think. And like having something like a low calorie, high protein option just could be a really good um, addition to anyone's day when it comes to trying to hit their protein needs. So overall, those are just some general recommendations when it comes to nutrition around, you know, being injured. Uh, but those are really important because it's going to complement and help ideally speed up your recovery. It's going to minimize how much muscle you might be losing throughout that process. Um, it's going to complement, you know, maybe your health, even maybe your mental health too, right? Like knowing that you have control over these things and you're doing everything in your power to like stick to the plan and, and, and hit a lot of these needs, like could just be a positive thing that you have on your checklist every day that you're hitting that could help keep you motivated instead of just dwelling in the fact that you're not able to work out or you're not able to get as many steps in or walk like you used to and all things that will come with time. But man, just uh, kind of this temporary change in your routine, but it's just nice to know that we have a lot of power over the nutrition side of things. So cool. I've talked way longer than I've thought I was going to today. Um, I, the last thing on my list today, since it's kind of like a life update was just, uh, just an update on where I'm at with my current physique. Um, I kind of obviously walked through what the last like two months of my life has looked like, but since my injury in general, like being, I think, I don't know, a year and a half, maybe now into this surplus, Um, my weight has been fairly steady over the last six weeks, which I'm very proud of five weeks that I've been super excited about and proud of. Um, I'm at a point right now, I'm sitting around 191, 192 fairly consistently. And I've been able to maintain that since I've gone to that Denver trip. Um, for me, like it's kind of been an important thing, um, solely from the fact that like sometimes in these situations, my normal response is like, I, maybe I get sad. 
I, as it already is, don't have a super high like appetite. Like I, I just don't, man, I don't love eating throughout the day. I don't really get hungry. Um, I'm one of those anomalies, those people that could probably eat one meal a day and feel fine and still maintain a pretty decent physique. Um, and it takes a lot of effort for me to put on weight. And for me, keeping my calories and being intentional with that and continuing to my, my tracking and, and just keeping all that dialed in, maintaining the weight I've been, um, that I've been, you know, seeing over the last month or so has been a victory for me alone. And sitting at 192, again, it's the heaviest I've ever been. I don't, quite frankly, I don't know how much longer I want to go into a surplus. I've always had this idea that I was going to give it my all and then come like March in 2024, I was going to go into a cut and kind of do that before um, summer came in summer of 2024. But I don't know. I'm kind of like questioning that even now and thinking like, hey, I feel good. I feel like I'm having some good body recomposition happen at this body fat percentage at this current body weight that I sit at, even though I'm not gaining, you know, a bunch of weight week to week or consistently as we've kind of have looked at the last month, look at the next month. There's still some cool body composition changes, uh, body recomposition changes that are happening given the fact that people can body recomp better at higher body fat percentage compared to somebody who is relatively lean or really lean and trying to body recomp is just not going to happen as quickly or as much at all um, at that level compared to somebody with like a 15 or 16% body fat percentage if you're a guy or, you know, mid twenties, if you're a girl or whatever the case may be. So I don't, I quite frankly, I don't know. I'm going to kind of, it's been, it's been cool to see how this injury has kind of put things into perspective for me and, and realizing that like, Hey, yeah, being in a surplus, being in a, in a bulk is just something that has been part of the plan, but it's not the most important thing in my life necessarily right now. Healing, recovering, you know, covering all my bases with that and getting back to a place where I feel hundred percent again is my biggest priority. And for me, like maintaining weight, ma maintaining my progress up until this point, um, that, that alone is a huge victory for me. So whether that takes another two weeks or another two months, like I'm kind of in this mindset where I'm going to continue to train hard. Um, the current calorie regimen I've been at, I'm looking at it right now is around 3,600 calories, 35, 3,600 calories fairly consistently. If I wanted to continue to gain and get to 195 or 200 pounds, it's going to probably take me going up to like 4,000 calories a day, 39, 4,000 calories a day. Uh, which isn't something that I'm like ready to do or wanting to do right now. And that might change, but yeah, from my current physique standing and like just where my head is at with my own fitness pursuits, like, I don't know. I'm a big believer that we have all these different seasons of our life and you might be in a bulking season of your life right now, or maybe you're in a deficit season of your life right now, but just know that like life is going to slap you across the fucking face every once in a while. And like being adaptable, being, um, somewhat neutral about the changes that can happen and not letting that be just this um, end of the world scenario all the time, I think is something that most people would benefit from like being in the mindset of or practicing as these things happen because it's going to continue to happen. Whether you have kids, you have another kid, uh, you know, you get a job promotion, you make a pivot, you start a side hustle, um, you accept a different job, like you move to a different city, like you make a new friend group, like you start dating somebody, like man, the, the list of things that happen in life, especially as we get older is fucking infinite. So understanding even injuries, right. But just understanding that this shit's going to continue to happen, be somewhat flexible, be appreciative of 
all the things that you still can control, even when maybe certain phases of your life may um, take less control out of your hands when it comes to your health and your fitness and your mobility and your, uh, you know, your health at some level, man, just being able to like look past that and think big picture with this stuff. Um, yeah. And just like sit in what you're able to do right now, I think is, uh, I think it's a superpower and not a lot of people possess that. I'm not saying that I'm an expert at that or that's where I'm at, but I'm proud of myself for getting to a place where I have more of that mentality than maybe me three years ago or four years ago, where this would have been detrimental to my mental health and my physical health. And, you know, I'd probably be in a different position, you know, two months or a month and a half into my injury rehab process compared to maybe where I was, you know, four years ago, where I completely had a different headspace going into all this shit. So moral of the story, just, uh, man, just continue to show up at whatever capacity you can. And that's going to be good enough. You know, there's going to be shitty times. There's going to be really good times. Hopefully you have more good times over the long, you know, the long term and over the course of your life. But man, expecting everything to be perfect all the time and everything to go according to plan is just dumb as fuck. If that's the reality that, <laughs> that you think you're living in. And, um, most people listening to this podcast have likely had something happen this year or throughout their lifetime that, yeah, has challenged the shit out of you and your beliefs and, and what you've deemed as important to you. And yeah, those are the situations that you just can't really prepare for unless you go through them or working on your personal development, working with the therapist, working on kind of your uh, um, mental muscle, so to speak, can prep you for things. But man, there's, there's still only so much you can plan for until you actually get thrown into the, the blender with some of these certain situations in your life. And that's just kind of where I've been recently. And uh, I just wanted this podcast to take a second or an hour to, to talk about where my mind has been, how things have uh, been handled and what I plan on doing here in response to that going into the future as things continue to get better. So if you made it this far into the podcast, I, I really do appreciate you listening. I am always here if you need anything. And um, yeah, I just uh, encourage you to, to, to fucking keep your head up when dumb shit happens to you or if you have these self-inflicted wounds that you give to yourself, like even though they kind of suck to sit in and you look back and you think about what you would have done differently, like you really don't have control over that. You have control over the, the shit that you, uh, you know, are dealing with today and how you continue to proceed going forward. So put more of your mental energy into that and your future self will thank you for it. Okay. All right. I'm going to end the podcast on that episode. Um, yeah, again, coaching application uh, scholarship stuff is going to be dropping here in a week or two. If you were listening to this episode and you've been thinking about coaching and this is something that you want to do going into 2024, now is the best fucking time to do that. I am your guy if you, you know, if you want me to be or if you need help finding somebody that's perfect, I have other coaches and resources out there that I can direct you to as well. But let me know if you ever need anything. I'm one email away, one DM away. And um, yeah, I just uh, want you to know I'm here for you. And I appreciate you for listening and continuing to show up and giving me your time because I know there's a finite amount of time that you have throughout the day and uh, letting me take up some of that space is, is really an honor. So until next time, remember to you the purpose, train with attention and think with confidence as we work towards your own nutrition and fitness goals. Surprised I remember that. I haven't said that in probably a couple months now, but um, yeah, I appreciate you. Keep taking care of yourself and I'll see you on the next episode. Okay. Talk soon. Peace. Thank you again for listening to this episode. If you found value and enjoyed it, 
It would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media. If you do, make sure you tag me so I can say thanks. Or if you're on iTunes, scrolling down and leaving a five-star review would be much appreciated. And if you ever want to get in touch with me, you can always find me on Instagram at LukeSmithRD. Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. I'll see you on the next episode.